0: The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. Here at Conservative Review on this last day in January. Thursday, January 31st. How time has flown by. It's unbelievable. But it is freezing here in Central Maryland. I know some of you, our listeners in the upper Midwest, are probably going to laugh at me. Because what is it there? Minus 20, minus 30. Got down to 4 degrees today. And, uh, you know, it's funny. My wife does dispatch work just volunteer work for this volunteer organization uh, locally that you know helps people with flat tires jump starts things like that and she got today is her day so you can imagine lots of jump starts and you know as, as I was uh, going out to my car this morning the thought crept into my mind that isn't it amazing? How the left wants to take us back to the 1700s in terms of infrastructure, economic growth, and really quality of life. If they would have their way in their war on fossil fuels, can you imagine what it would be like? It's just really something to think about when you're dealing with this cold weather You know, it barely affects my life. Now, you know, when it's minus 20, minus 30, obviously they had school off in Chicago, places like that. Uh, We didn't have school off here for the kids. And, you know, you're indoors all day, it really doesn't affect you much. Thank God. I mean, you know, some people maybe have had problems with pipes or whatever, but, uh, you know, I haven't had any issues. Because we have climate control. You want to talk about climate change? You want to talk about controlling the climate? Here's the irony. The left thinks we can control the climate. God's thermostat. And yet they don't want to allow us to control the climate in our own homes and our own thermostat. Think about that. And then, as I was cogitating this juxtaposition here, this realm of thought about how they want to take us back to the 1700s. I was thinking to myself, it's amazing that the same people who want to ditch our traditional values like it's the plague seem to want to go back to the quality of life of the 17 and 1800s. And it is just truly, truly amazing to watch to watch what's going on in this whole d- d- abortion debate. To those of you who follow politics closely, and I understand you know most of you guys who listen to this show really are aware of the political dynamics. You know, there's nothing new. The left is the modern-day malok from the Bible where they believe in this satanic, pagan cult of death. They actually glorify, they're obsessed with killing babies. Obsessed with it. I mean, all of you know in your lives, babies that were easily, easily born in the final two months of pregnancy, I mean, now you have even more than three months before, easily. And, you know, how they blithely want to kill these babies. And I I just got to thinking today, again, they're ditching our traditional values because they believe they're so antiquated. But yet these same people want to take us back to the Stone Ages when it comes to quality of life. It just amazes me. I cannot believe it. Now, obviously, what you see from a lot of the Republicans is pure fakeness. It's an easy thing to complain about. Although, I don't think, I haven't seen Mitt Romney, virtu, you know, the very virtuous Mitt Romney do any virtue signaling yet. It's kind of interesting. Doesn't seem to care about that issue. Remember how severely conservative he was and his just beautiful, pro-life conversion that he made to run for president huh He's been awfully quiet for a man who is so moral and is so alacritous to demonstrate his moral superiority, his virtue. It seems really bizarre. really, really bizarre that they have no interest, none whatsoever people like Romney, and talking about this. Now, some will talk about this. You know, you're Kevin McCarthy's. But where were they when they had full control for two years? Forget about banning abortions. How about stopping taxpayer funding for it? But nothing. Absolutely nothing. And that's really what I wanted to segue into today. Today's theme. And that is this utter failure. And it's not really a failure because they do it deliberately, of both Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. I mean, you see it all over Kevin McCarthy's uh, Twitter feed. If you follow his uh, releases, his statements, oh, we need to secure the border. This is a man who blocked any immigration enforcement bill from coming to the House floor when they had full control over it including good bills that passed the Senate the House Judiciary Committee he would not bring to the floor nothing on ending the ch- chain migration diversity visa lottery, sanctuary cities the courts interior enforcement the border nothing doesn't matter. And now he's a big talker. Let me tell you something. There is nothing so righteous as a Republican Party defanged of its power. There is nothing so perfidious as a Republican Party that is in power. And that's the dichotomy you see now. It's amazing to watch between Mitch McConnell as Senate Majority Leader and Kevin McCarthy as House Minority Leader. Kevin McCarthy is saying a lot of feisty things lately because he doesn't have power to To act on them. McConnell is uh, busy McConnelling and won't even say anything. The only thing he feels strongly about is there not being a shutdown. There's a political article, get this done. McConnell moves to avoid new shutdown. Um... This is uh, from John Cornyn, is quoted here, saying, "McConnell said it publicly and privately. He thinks shutdowns don't work. Nobody wins, and that's not what we worked so hard to get into the majority to do—to shut down the government. We got the majority to govern. So govern. Where is your governing? See, this is the problem. How do you have a Democrat party?" that is so certain in their beliefs. They're willing to talk about murdering babies up to birth, after birth. They're willing to talk about open borders. So what's the Republican response? We will secure the... No, no, it's not that. It's, ah, we won't shut the government down. So Democrats are, we will have open borders. And Republicans are like, We will not shut the government down. I mean, it's Newton's laws of motion. It's the earth and the moon. It's the forces of gravity. The gravitational pull is all in one direction in that type of debate. And of course, McCarthy will at least talk tough now because he can't act on it. But what is the agenda of the Republican Party? When you want to contemplate the emergencies we have in this country with stolen sovereignty that speak to the core violation of the social contract, the core foundational impetus for creating a federal government in particular, an invasion of our border counties, an invasion of all our communities with cartel associates and, and two million criminal aliens, no criminal aliens, likely three or four million and there's not a single impetus to govern. Okay, you, you, you don't want to shut down? You want to govern? Govern. We, we've been saying this all along. We're six weeks into this fight, and Mitch McConnell refuses to force the Democrats to take a single tough vote on anything. Okay, so you don't want to have a budget fight, at least a standalone bill. But McConnell has literally told the Democrats this. He said he, he's very concerned about managing the the... the Time on the floor, on the Senate floor, managing the time wisely. So turtle face tells the Democrats, um, <laughs> I'm not going to bring a bill to the floor if it doesn't get 60 votes. So Democrats are like, OK, we don't support it. So don't bring it to the floor. How will the Democrats ever feel the heat, ever feel pressure if you don't force a debate? He's like, well, we don't up front have a guarantee the Democrats will support it. So I'm not going to vote on it. I mean, this is the problem with McConnell. I've been pointing out for years before it was cool to even talk about McConnell. It's just insane. Utterly insane. So, um, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you guys. This is absolutely nuts. So what what is McConnell doing? What is his focus? Okay, what does he feel strongly about? So he doesn't want a government shutdown. He doesn't want to vote on any one of our bills. It's not a problem, Sanctuary Cities. The drug crisis, not a problem, except to blame pharmaceuticals. Illegals voting in our elections... Is not a problem. The courts sacking the other two branches. Not a problem. We have the most violent terrorists, and that's what they are. I have my long piece out this morning on the need to designate the Mexican cartels as terrorists on our border, over our border, in our border counties, and then their operatives in every major city in America. Not a problem. So what does Mitch feel strongly about? What does Mitch feel strongly about? Well, there's an amendment vote today. Mitch McConnell sponsored an amendment. I'm going to read to you from Congressional Quarterly. Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has set the stage for what could become a Senate rebuke of President Donald Trump's stewardship of America's wars. The action is set to begin with a procedural vote Thursday afternoon on an amendment by the Kentucky Republican that would effectively oppose Trump's plan to withdraw the bulk of U.S. troops from their long-running overseas fight against terrorism. It is not clear how Thursday's procedural vote will turn out. It might even be read by senators from both parties as a referendum on an internal Senate struggle over amendments, not a statement about U.S. foreign policy. However, the fact that McConnell wants to put the Senate on record about it about it is telling in itself, experts say. The amendment to a Middle East policy bill, S-1, is a non-binding sense of the Senate provision. But if it clears the procedural hurdle and is then approved, it would serve as a warning to Trump. Only bring U.S. troops home from Syria and Afghanistan slowly and carefully, if at all. I, I can't relate to people That literally don't see our border as a problem, but they see this as a problem. When our founders created a military, and they talked about an Article 4, Section 4, defending states from an invasion, which is why we have a federal government, because they felt the states would be ill-equipped with dealing with what Madison referred to as external threats. right? External threats. So, take a look, and I'm working on this article here, but you know, I've written about this what's going on in, in Hidalgo County, New Mexico, where it is literally a breach of of, of the, the federal government's responsibility to protect from an invasion. People are camping out in, these illegals are camping out in people's barns, breaking into homes, stealing trucks, drug activity everywhere, in a nice rural county where people have had ranches in their families for, for, you know, easily over a century. And now they have to deal with this invasion, and they don't have the resources to deal with it. And the Border Patrol is shut down dealing with diseases and notice, notice how rather than have concern over Americans, it's amazing. Las Cruces son. This is a paper in South New Mexico. They have an article out just this week about record levels of syphilis, gonorrhea, and other sexually transmitted diseases in New Mexico. And you read down the article and they're like, well, Yeah, why? Well, that's the million-dollar question. We really don't know. (laughs) Meanwhile, CBP put out a release and talked about syphilis, flesh-eating diseases, coming in at the Antelope Wells point of entry in Hidalgo County and how particularly they've had a problem with the diseases there. But no, it's all a matter of how well we treat them. This is the problem. There's a statement, there's a saying in Mexico, maybe all of Latin America, about their view of hospitality. They have a a saying, mi casa es su casa. My house is your house. What we have in this country going on, both with the illegal invaders and with our political class, is the concept of, of... Sukasa es mi casa. Your house is my house, meaning you are on the hook for other people, not you voluntarily offering to be charitable. It's someone else offers you, or steals it from you, or demands it from you. Now, one of these articles I saw about Hidalgo County. One uh, rancher was quoted as saying, "You know, we used to always have illegals, and they would come and ask for food. Now they come and demand. You give me a ride to Lordsburg. You give me your truck. You give me your your cell phone now." And this is what they're dealing with. There's something in the psyche of Western political culture in this era that we're dealing with, where. It's a crime to care about your own people. Your people are less. You offer up your own people as a martyr's complex to sacrifice for others. Whereas the entire social contract is embedded in the notion that a government is there to protect its people. If you are an individual member of that society or an individual representative in government for that society, you are free with your own free will, and your own resources to worry about other people. But as far as governmental public policy, your only concern is your own people. Yet now our only concern is other people. Well, why am I saying this to put this all together? Notice the alacrity of To which they'll jump on any notion that we're going to pull out of Afghanistan, Syria. And again, that's not warfare. Because if it was a true war, then they wouldn't support it. Deeply embedded in the establishment neoconservative Republican mindset is the same Democrat mindset of political correctness that, oh, it's, it's, it's for the Afghani people. It's for the Syrian people. It's always someone else. We always, even now, even some of the people that are on the right track with the border notice that they'll lead. And I understand it, and I'm fine if you want to do this politically because it's true anyway, but they lead with the humanitarian crisis. And it is true that the open borders is causing that too. But what about us? Our ranchers don't matter, our citizens don't matter. It's like somehow it's a foreign concept to use our military against the most evil people that chop up body parts on our border, directed even over our border, direct a flow of migration that in itself brings in diseases and poverty. And yet somehow it's like a measure of how well we're taking care of them. This is what I spoke about before with The Forgotten Man. It's Amity Shlae's book on the um the Great Depression taken off of a speech from the great uh Princeton philosopher William Graham Sumner, who's a Yale Yale philosopher. And he explained it's called the Forgotten Man. That was the name of Amity's book. It's funny, when I wrote an article on this, she must have gotten Google or so Amity um emailed me and thanked me for quoting her article, even though, you know, what it was about immigration, which is a different issue, but I applied it to that. And and what they called spoke about was The Forgotten Man. And um, I've read this before. I I think it's appropriate to read it again for some of you who haven't heard this. Here's what William Sumner said. And, and, And this is explaining more socialism. You know, redistribution of wealth at the hands of government. As soon as A, meaning this means like person A, A observes something which seems to him to be wrong, from which X is suffering. A talks it over with B, and A and B then propose to get a law passed to remedy the evil and help X. Their law always proposes to determine what C shall do for X, or in the better case, in the better case, what A, B, and C shall do for X. As for A and B, who get a law to make themselves do for X what they are willing to do for him, we have nothing to say except that they might better have done it without any law. But what I want to do is look to look up see. I want to show you what manner of man he is. I call him the forgotten man. There's something about the American citizen that's not a particular class that is the forgotten man. I said this a couple of weeks ago we need to make that forgotten man the protected class it's really an amazing thought if you if you think deeply about this whole everything that's wrong with western societies now and, and this is even with internal affairs you know redistribution of wealth among americans but we have this among aliens people invade our country and we like it's like Americans and law enforcement are treated as criminals. You better treat them properly. You better do this. Nobody is concerned about the fiscal charge, the, the the charge on our schools, the hospitals. Can you imagine what's going on? Has anyone ever thought for a moment, everyone's like, okay, let's make sure. Is Border Patrol quick enough that they have hospitals uh in the area to take care of them? Right? Everyone's focusing on that. Is anyone asking for a minute? What does it look like for Americans that need to use a hospital in the border states? You know, I've had people tell me that they almost got turned away in places like El Paso when their wives had to give give birth and were going into labor because they didn't have room because they're dealing with the illegals. And not only are they dealing with them, though that's used as the conduit for anchor babies. They come here give birth, steal citizenship, steal our census, steal our vote. Now we know from Texas. Now we spoke about that earlier this week, but we knew that anyway, voting illegally, steal our hospitals, steal our schools. And it's like, you're not even allowed to talk about it. Even even, even the better people in politics, it's more like, yeah, this is a humanitarian situation. We can't have the open borders. Well, that's true, but but what about us? I mean if you if you want to open up a missionary and do charitable work in in, in Guatemala, God bless you. but public policy, it's immoral not to care about Americans. But again,'m I'm, I'm extrapolating this to foreign policy. It's like our military could only be used to help the child molesters aka Afghani military in Kabul. Kabul and Baghdad and Raqqa urban renewal, but when Hidalgo County, a county of five thousand Americans, something like thirty-four hundred square miles and just four sheriff's deputies, is overrun with an invasion, think about, think about this for a minute. Normally, you know, crime is is your problem; it's a local issue. But the thing is, Hidalgo County doesn't have a crime problem. They're justified in not spending more money that they don't have on more than four sheriff's deputies because they don't need it. They didn't ask for this invasion. This is an external problem. There's no military there. Some areas like Cochise County has military on the western side, on the the Arizona side. I don't believe they have any National Guard there. So there's no military, four sheriff's deputies to deal with the, the most brutal cartels that have now pegged that area because they know there's nothing there. All you have is a small contingent of Border Patrol, but now the Border Patrol is being used as a hospital by the cartels so they can bring in everyone else. How have we had a party and a movement that has been so feckless and forcefully making this case to the American people? Well, I'll tell you, because you have Mitch McConnell talking about floor time and cloture votes and not having shutdowns. As if he's like the custodian of the of the Senate. And the one thing he cares about to actually able to vote on is ah, it's really weak. We can't bring a troops out of cobble. No, no, no. I'm telling you, there's a subtlety of sukasas mikasa. There's a subtlety of political correctness that you are not allowed to care about Americans, and I'll tell you it goes a step deeper, and you'll hark back to my podcast at the beginning of last week where I directly tackled the the issue of race. On how somehow it's embedded in our psyche, where rather than treating everyone equally under the law, or every American equally, we look at the identity of the players. And you know this is true. You know that if the identity of the people invading our country would be a different identity All sides would be treating this equally. Certainly the Democrats just from a sheer voting side, if the type of people coming over would vote Republican. But even without that, from an identity thing, it's almost like, yeah, you know, the average American citizen, especially if you're if you're white, oh, that's that's yeah, yeah, yeah. You you can't be a victim. You can't be in need of help. But come on, these poor people coming over the border, they, you know, they really need help because they're a specific identity. That's the truth of it. And that that's the same thing with our social work operations in the Middle East. Somehow, you could always do for others, but not for yourself. And that is fine if you want to live that way in your personal life. But the same way it would be immoral for me to run my household that way, to for me to treat my three very needy young boys and my wife that way. The needy, by the way, wasn't going on the wife. It was going on the kids. Um but nonetheless, it's my responsibility to take care of them. If I just say, "Hey, you know what? I- I- I'm going to run a social work out of my home and bring in all sorts of health, uh, you know, security problems into the home," because I'm I'm a good person. No, you are not a good person. You're a bad person, a really bad person. It just drives me nuts. I find this so repugnant that it's just not kosher to care about your own people. How mentally ill these people are that they just don't care. Oh, terrorism. What do you think is at our border? One one other point I want to make on this, and to tie it back to what we said earlier with abortion. There's something people don't understand. That while typically we distinguish the cartels from, you know, again, terrorism, as I always say, terrorism is a tactic. The cartels use terrorism even more than Islamic terrorists do there's different ideologies behind it but terrorism is a tactic now we often say the difference between the cartels and Islam is that with Islam it's it's driven by religion and uh, more like ideology and with the cartels it's driven by power territory drugs things like that but it's actually a little bit more subtle than that it's a little deeper there is an ideological belief and there's a lot to learn about this Maybe we'll have someone on the show to give us a pointer on this, but there is a certain culture among the cartels. And I don't want to use the word Catholic because it is such a bastardization of the Catholic religion, but it's it's their own satanic version of of their corrupted beliefs that they um, they worship the cult of La Santa Muerte, Saint the Saint of Death. It's a set of ritual practices offered on behalf of a supernatural personification of death. That's how they justify their behavior. There's a, there's a, there's a lot to be said on That They believe that they're giving blood sacrifices to the gods of death. Kid me not. This is a big part of understanding the threat doctrine, how it's really a lot more than drugs. It might have gotten started that way. But it's a much that's what we have at our border. What people like McConnell refuse to educate themselves on, how this is such a problem. What you are bringing into this country, as much as you feel you 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 you've kind of maxed out in the degree of cold brutality of Islamic terrorism, I believe these guys are even worse. And believe me, I think Islamic terror is a problem. So anyway, one, it's just how they – it is appalling how they have no regard for what about the terrorism on our border? What about sending troops there? Now, I know Trump – and look, to his credit, he is sending another 2,000 more troops. That is news this week. But it's mainly to put more wire on the wired fencing, which isn't even that good, and clear cane and – They need to be doing a lot more than that. But there's another point I just want to tie back into abortion. There's a subtlety there why the left loves the cartels so much. Because I think they share that same satanic obsession with pleasing the pagan gods of death. This death squad, death culture that you're seeing from the Virginia governor, from Cuomo in New York, and it's really all of them. Anyone who's a Democrat nowadays nowadays subscribes to that. It's amazing how similar it is to the cartels. I, I'm just saying, like you know, and I don't recommend you see it. But you you can go to Breitbart Texas. They're the ones that are posting all this, and I get why they're doing it. I I I think it's a good idea. It's just it's just extremely disgusting to look at. I I can't look at it. But literally chopped up body parts in the worst type of manners you could ever imagine literally castrated people and they literally show that. Um what what do you think these bills are doing? When you talk about aborting, I mean it's any abortion, but but try to picture, you know, late term as they're talking about now. Try to picture what that is. I mean if you would put a camera in the the dilation uh suction stuff, dude, <laughs> that's what the Mexican cartels are doing. I'm sorry. So um, maybe that's my answer, why we're so desensitized, why we have no impetus to act based on what the cartels are doing. I guess we do it ourselves with abortion. But that's with that. But just to go back and continue along this theme of Sukasa's Mikasa, how, in violation of the essence of the social contract, our own government has extended the welcome mat in contravention to our laws, to all sorts of foreign nationals to come here and take advantage of us and steal everything from us. And how some way and somehow the rules of the road, the laws of the land, when you would think they should be enforced extra against foreigners, are not enforced where they would be enforced against Americans. How consistently... They are treated as a protected class. I mean, just think for a moment before we get into some of the kind of rapid fire news of stuff going on. Just think for a moment about this whole separation issue and prosecuting at the border. I know we said it at the time last July when it heated up, but it just still amazes me how, you know, American criminals are separated from their children especially when part of their crime was endangering the child, reckless endangerment. And we don't bat an eyelash, right? That happens all the time. But somehow when it comes to people invading our country, while also literally paying the most evil terrorist cartels around and endangering their own kids... Somehow we're the evil ones. And somehow they can't be separated and they must be let go into our country together. To just overrun Americans with diseases, again, public charge. A lot of them are gang members. A lot of these kids, as we've spoken about before, aren't necessarily uh, kids. Let's just put it that way. Um, this is scary stuff. But it's also, it's very telling. Because in my belief, it is rooted, sadly, in identity politics. You have, ultimately, it's Democrats want the votes, fake Republicans want cheap labor, and credulously, stupidly think they could get the votes too. But I ask you, If this were a different demographic doing all of this to America, would we treat them the same way? This is the problem when you break down the rule of law and instead you have the rule of identity politics. Just really disgusting. But I mean, you, you think about everything going on. You look at. We spoke about this last week, that 19-year-old illegal from El Salvador that murdered four Americans in the mm-hmm. Reno-Carson City, Nevada area. You look at um, – just th- this week they indicted in California seven people <clears throat> for various crimes related to being a, an accomplice to that Mex- Mexican mafia murderer, of Officer Singe. The cop who was killed a couple weeks ago. Notice seven people were indicted, family members, friends. They were all illegal. So you say, all right, there's one murder, whatever. These were all people involved. All here illegally in plain sight. Just getting away getting away with it, getting away with everything. Getting away with murder. You know, you you look at Next week's the State of the Union address, and obviously I'm not going to be here to comment on it. I'm coming back Thursday. Frankly, I'm happy. I mean, I'm certainly happy to go, but I'm happy I'm missing it. As as has been the custom the last couple of years, a bunch of Democrats are bringing illegal aliens into the Capitol building. I I I, I just don't understand. I don't understand. Section thirteen twenty four of um of eight U.S. Code has numerous titles, making it a felony, a felony, not not a misdemeanor, to induce illegal immigration, to harbor it, transport them. I mean, I'm not trying to be cute here, like, stretch it. This is literally members of Congress committing felonies on immigration law in the U.S. Capitol building. And somehow that's not enforced. I mean, again, what other, why is illegal immigration somehow better than American criminals? I I just don't understand it. And by the way, section, just while we're at it, section 1357A3 of U.S. Code 8 says that any officer or employee of the service authorized under regulations prescribed by the Attorney General, in other words, ICE or CBP, shall have the power without warrant within a reasonable distance from any external boundary of the United States to board and search for aliens, any vessel within the territorial waters of the United States, and any railway car, aircraft, conveyance, or vehicle, and within a distance of 25 miles from any such external boundary to have access to private lands, but not dwellings for the purpose of patrolling the border to prevent the illegal entry of aliens. They could... They could go anywhere and without a warrant take them. Unless they have a prima facie claim that they're somehow here legally, which they don't. I just don't understand that. But again, sukas mikasa when it comes to foreign nationals invaders, laws do not apply. At all. Yesterday, a judge in Maryland denied Trump's motion to dismiss a lawsuit filed by the NAACP on counting on uh, not not even count on, on putting the citizenship question in the census. It's another lawsuit. So um, there's that. By the way, before I lose my train of thought, I just want to tell you. There's a whole nother problem going on. Remember how we started off this new year saying there's two points of leverage. There's the border, and then there's the debt ceiling. Lindsey Graham is part of the capitulation to throw in amnesty. So, you know, again, he's so desperate to get Trump these few billion dollars for the stupid wall, which is not even a wall anymore, rather than fixing the policy problems, the mentality, actually enforcing the darn laws, So he wants to give them amnesty, right? Now he wants to throw in the debt limit, too. So, (laughs) unbelievable. That's where we are. That is where we are. Very, very sad. You know, you go on and on. We, we, We talked about the nature of terrorists at our border in the form of the cartels. And how they just don't care about our border and they want to talk about Afghanistan and Syria. But it's worse than that. We have it in all our communities. The problem is people only talk about the border because all this stuff is reported in the news as domestic. Oh, there was an assault. There was a sexual assault. There was a drug trafficker, um, uh, a Baltimore man, a Chicago man. And, And they make it like it's some sort of domestic crime. But really, like I tell, tell you, it doesn't make it less of an invasion when somehow it's so, the invasion is so severe that they're allowed to get into the interior of our country, into our communities, unapprehended, and commit crimes. That doesn't make it more domestic. That's still an invasion. That's worse of an invasion because it's fully embedded in all our communities. An invasion you could repel in one kind of flanking maneuver militarily. This is so much harder, although it's really not if you actually – Enforce the laws. So, I mean, there's tons of this stuff. I could point out just yesterday. I'm just... Gardenville man, this in Nevada, arrested for multiple sexual assaults on minors. South Lake Tahoe police arrested a a Gardenville man. See, look at this, a Gardenville man. (laughs) After he was identified as a suspect in multiple sexual assaults on minors. Had a business in South Lake Tahoe. 46-year-old Sergio Antonio Resendez Rodriguez is charged with multiple counts of sexual battery on minors under the age of 14. Look at that. New, infor- new information tells us that Sergio is in the country illegally, and ICE currently has a hold on him. Sometimes they don't even say that. Notice how many sexual assaults there are among this crop. It's unbelievable. This is from um from Texas. Montgomery County, Texas. No, this is not Montgomery County in my home state. That's a really bad communist outlet. Um, but this is Montgomery County, Texas, um, which is, I believe it's just north of uh, of Houston. Trying to get the article here. An early morning traffic stop, this is from yesterday, near New Caney led to the arrest of a Mexican national who has served at least three stints in U.S. prisons for sexually abusing children? Marvin Giovanni Meja Ramos, 50, was turned over the Department of Homeland Security after his arrest on 69 North by an alert precinct for deputy by an alert precinct for deputy. Meja Ramos is a very dangerous convicted criminal that is in our country illegally. Precinct for Constable Kenneth. Hayden said, great job by our deputy that located him and is once again bringing him to justice. Ramos served eight years for continuous sexual assault of a child in Lancaster, California. In Los Angeles, he served six years for sexual assault of a child and two more years for lewd acts with a child under the age of 14. Ramos was deported in 2013, but soon returned. According to Precinct 4, they say he was arrested in Houston in 2015 for DUI Again, under a fake name. Do you know how much is embedded in that article? So there's a couple important things here. Number one, you see whatever sanctuary cities like like California, it eventually migrates out elsewhere. Number two, you see the problem with the people being deported and getting back again because we continue to have the magnets that empower the cartels to exploit the gaps that allow the criminals to come in. And that's like I say, that is exactly where a wall would help. But notice how even when he came back again, I mean, this is the problem. Every illegal arrested for DWI, even if he's squeaky clean elsewhere, should be deported immediately. Okay, I mean, I think we could all agree, pursuant to law, every illegal has to be deported. You know, like we have a country and you can't come here illegally. I know it sounds very novel, but that's the law. Okay. Um, But I think we should all agree that if you're here on a DWI, if you're arrested for DWI – and anyway we could deport you even without it. I'm not talking about a legal immigrant DWI. That's that's a different story. We could talk about that. Maybe we could have a two strikes and you're out for someone like that. But certainly if you're here illegally, it should be one strike and you're out. But this guy was called DWI and, and he had this entire record. Now, it indicates he was had a fake name. So I, I don't know what happened. They just took his name and for granted. I mean, this is the problem. I don't know if this is you know, Houston's gotten pretty bad. Don't assume all Texas is good. Um, but this is unbelievable. So I just saw that as, as I was on air. I'm actually actually uh, just emailing this to Jason Jones. Our resident uh, Texas law enforcement expert. It's just unbelievable. And then look at this. N- notice that how... I know it's an obsession of mine, and it's in the title of my book, and I still don't even know how to spell the word, but I'm very into the word sovereignty. And the reason why, you know, a lot of people will talk a lot about the border, and I'll talk about sovereignty. Because this is so much deeper than just border security. It's, it's not just, oh, oh, we need we need some um cameras, drones, walls, border agents at the border, immigration judges. It, it's a policy problem that's in violation of our laws by all of our elites that we, we as a society, fail to yell and say enough that su casa mi casa. You're able to break into our country, take advantage of us, do anything you want, and there's nothing we can do to stop it. I want to read you an article. This is connected to the revelation in Texas that 58,000 illegals voted, 96,000 registered to vote just from what they've seen. This is from Bob Dane. He's the president of the Federa- F- Federation for American Immigration Reform. I actually know who he is. Um, illegal alien stayed undetected by voting in plain sight. After voting in 24 straight federal elections in Texas, an illegal alien is going to prison and then back to Mexico. It's about time. There could be 58,000 more where he came from. Quote, he's been voting since at least 1994, Bexar County Election Fish Administrator, Uh, Jockey Callan instead of the 75-year-old Enrique Salazar Ortiz. Salazar appeared on registration rolls as Jesse H. Vargas Jr., who left Texas as a teenager. Salazar bought a copy of Vargas's birth certificate at a San Antonio bar for $20. A faithful voter, Salazar also appeared to be a frequent drinker. He was convicted three times for drunk driving, but was never deported. Can you imagine this? A guy was able to remain in the country in Texas... Voting in every federal election since 1994. Drunk driving three times. If you and I would do something bad, you know Big Brother, they got the databases, they have everything on us. The notion that you would never cross-check, oh, he's got a driver's license, oh, he's registered to vote. How does that happen one time? Ironically, Salazar's bogus voter registration and his illegal status went undetected because he regularly went to the polls. Quote, the best way to keep an illegal vo- voter registration is to use it. That avoids the purge of an active voter, said Logan Churchwell. He's a friend of ours. We've had him on the show before of Public Interest Legal Foundation, an election integrity watchdog. Voting regularly keeps the ca- county from sending in an active order inquiry letter that requires you to engage with them if you're living with someone else's identity. The last thing you want is someone asking you about it. Salazar's illegal status came to light when he applied for a U.S. passport. Oh, so that was finally too much. That triggered questions from the State Department about his identity, and it cascaded down all the way to a legal voting level, Churchill said. Casting ballots in plain sight is a disturbing aspect of a Texas sized illegal voting iceberg. Four days after Salazar's conviction, Secretary of State David Whitley dropped a bomb. 58,000 non citizens had voted in one or more Texas elections since 1996. Whitley's year-long canvas of Texas voter rolls indicated that as many as 95,000 non-citizens may hold voter registrations. State Attorney General Ken and promised to investigate and prosecute illegal voting activity. Texas law requires registered voters to show one of seven forms of photo ID. Texas driver's license or a handgun license, a U.S. passport, U.S. military ID card, a U.S. citizenship certificate, or a DPS-issued personal ID card or election ID certificate. I mean, th- th- this is just unbelievable, un-freaking-believable. But this is what happens. This is what happens when we surrender our sovereignty and we're we're okay with it. We don't demand immediate action. How, uh, look, I understand you, you know, we will all say any policy we support, how can this go on for a single day? I want it changed, but these are the laws. These are the foundational laws of a sovereign nation. We deserve them. How can we go on another day with with things like this? Every illegal DWI should be deported immediately. I, I just, I'm not willing to admit that we've lost this battle. If we had a movement and a party that consistently and forcefully in a sustained narrative using all of their tools of media would continue to do what we do here, I'm not convinced we wouldn't be winning this. But that's where we are now. I'm serious, folks. Countries have gone to war over much less than that. What what, what these cartels are doing to us, what our own cartels are doing to us, And part of why I'm so animated by this and we've spent so much time really the lion's share of this month dealing with the broader sovereignty issue is because, let's face it, we understand that when it comes to unfair policies among Americans, among special protected classes of Americans, whether it's certain groups when it comes to affirmative action socially or whether it's economically with the – um. All the industries and special interests that distort our markets, healthcare, things like that, you know, we are so far away from solving that. But is it too much to ask that the, the freaking cartels not be a constituency? I mean, th- that's why I figure this is within our grasp to at least harness a national debate on and, and solve. Nothing matters until we can deal with this nothing matters cuz we don't have a nation at all that's the problem we don't have a nation at all no one can even quantify how much of this is among us that's what's so scary about it take a look at um you know the ice press release this week they arrested 118 during Operation Crosscheck in New York. Right? This was a five day sting operation in New York, Long Island, and some areas a little bit farther north. And um, they arrested 118. 107 of them were convicted criminals. More than fifty five had already been issued final orders of removal and were never deported before that. You know, so good good for them. I mean, they're they're doing what they can. Um but it, it is unbelievable if you look at the type of crimes that they're committing. More than 35 individuals that they arrested were previously released by local law enforcement on an active ICE detainer. Here's what they say. In years past, most of these individuals would have been turned over to ICE by local authorities upon their release from jail based on ICE detainers. Now that now that many sanctuary cities, including New York City, do not honor detainers, these individuals who often have significant criminal histories are released onto the streets. And notice we're not even talking about this part of it. Not even talking about it. But look at this, in, in, in Brooklyn, a 44-year-old Ecuadorian national registered sex offender who has, been, who has a conviction of attempted sexual abuse to female victims under the age of eight. Lord have mercy, for which he was sentenced to 10 years of proba- probation supervision. I don't understand. How was he? See, this is, this, this is what doesn't make sense. Here's the stolen sovereignty. It's like, how was he on a sex registry? Like, get him out of here. I mean, can you imagine? That you know the guy's there, is the one thing. You, well, one thing you come here illegally, okay. And then you're so notorious as having been not just an illegal alien, but a sex offender that you just, um, whatever. I, you, you just remain in plain sight. Another Ecuadorian had a conviction of sex abuse first degree. Um, 44-year-old Peruvian national registered sex offender released released from NYPD custody with an active detainer who has a conviction of forcible touching. It's just unbelievable. 34-year-old Honduran national registered sex offender in Q Gardens released from NYPD custody with an active detainer um just trying to go through this tons of stuff here and again this is this you know people all over the world dominican national 23 year old released by NYPD on an active detainer at a third-degree rape charge of a child under 17. Um, another Panamanian national was released by NYPD with a conviction for attempted criminal possession of a weapon. Flushing, New York, another guy was released for bail jumping, disorderly conduct, grand larceny. And attempted grand grand larceny on and on all these sex offenders if we cannot make the case to immediately deport and and get rid of all of the impediments to deportation legally in the courts of illegal alien sex offenders and drunk drivers and drug traffickers then we just need to shut down everything we do if if that much we can't do, th- there's nothing left. We would never tolerate this in any other context that wouldn't be politically ensconced. In um in identity politics. You know it's true. You know that if the type of people coming over Would be of a different identity, particularly if they would vote a different way, but would commit the same amount of crimes and do everything that the current reality of the flow commits. You know that every Democrat would immediately deport every one of these. They would have 50 cal machine guns at our border. They would bomb a buffer zone of three miles into Mexico's border. We would never tolerate this, but we've been so desensitized and acculturated to dealing with this as if it's like some sort of legitimate debate over tax rates and regulatory policy. Now, this cuts to the core of why any civilization from ancient to modern would ever have a government. And once again, while these people want to eschew traditional, old-fashioned, so to speak, values. They somehow don't mind throwing us back to the Middle Ages, the Stone Ages, when it comes to economic progress, quality of life, and yes, the rule of law, and the actual premise of having a governing body to begin with. We're going to have one more show before we go away next week, so be sure to listen in for our Friday show. It will not be a foreign policy Friday show. We will be having a special guest. You'll see tomorrow. Keeping you guys in suspense. God bless you all. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.